0: Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: So much comes with having to be a leader. There's a lot of things that you learn along the way, and it's okay not to know. But like being a leader is a really important piece. And again, I didn't know until someone had said it, right? That, okay, yeah, right, I'm a leader, duh, right? And, and I own that. I own it, and I appreciate it, and I take it seriously because I think we have people that look up to us and want to be where we are or want to be a part of what we're doing. And so we have to make sure that we operate with grace and style.
2: Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I am your host, Janine Scott. Today, my guests are Broadway League members and Black to Broadway co-chairs, producer, actor Brian Moreland, and the COO of Spotco, Aletha Stevens. Thank you both for being with me today. Brian, first let me tell you what I've said privately. I absolutely loved your show, Thoughts of a Colored Man. Not only did the content give us everything we didn't know we needed, but it gave the opportunity for so many first-time theater goers to fall in love with Broadway. So tell us, when did you first fall in love with theater?
3: Oh, well, first, if I could just back up just for a moment and just say thank you for doing this. I'm so thrilled to be here and to be in conversations with you and, and with Ms. Stevens over here from the number one agency.
0: Say it again. But...
3: <laughs> um, uh, uh, I haven't acted in a very long time. So I'm ju- just a, just a lone producer who fell in love with theater back in third grade. I wish I had I, uh, I was in a play called um, Be What You Want to Be where I played Santa Claus. And I didn't have this moment where I'm, I can recall standing on the stage and the lights were shining and this happened. I, I don't have that moment. I just mm-hmm. have the moment that it started and it ended. And I loved it. And I wanted to do it over and over and over again. So I knew in third grade that if you wanted to speak to me about something outside of theater, it wasn't going to be a healthy conversation.
2: Ah, Love it. A Black Santa. Hello. (laughs) How progressive. That's right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Out in Orange County, California, no less. Very progressive.
2: (laughs) Now, Aletha, you run one of Broadway's preeminent advertising agencies. Uh, Looking back at at your two decades at Spotco, and and even before that, um, do you have a moment where where you fell in love with theater?
1: I'll tell you this, I'm a little unique in the fact that I've always been a lover of the arts. Um, my mom exposed my brother and I at a young age to museums and festivals and things of the sort. Um, but back uh, when I started at SPACO when Jim Edwards and John Lanassa took a chance on me 20 years ago, that was my real introduction to theater for the first time. Um, and it wasn't until I saw The Color Purple
0: the musical
1: that my true passion was born. Of course, I love the movie, the book, um, but then to be able to see it on stage with tons of talented people, like in rotation, that's when my love was born. Um, And I think it's important that, you know, we have that relatable content because we, we get to develop these standing relationships with theater. You know, I think, uh, thoughts of a color man was probably a gateway for many of the, our untraditional audiences and like those are the types of shows that we need to make sure that we're introducing people to things that they can relate to and then they love everything after that exactly so,
3: yeah i i i i want to focus on in 2022 i'm going to actively f- come up with some new word that is no longer um non-traditional or the other just mm-hmm. to include just to include people that have melanin in their skin in the conversation of the traditional theater goer because it's not necessarily that we uh, you didn't ask this, Janine and I'm so sorry but it's it's <laughs> it's um people of color or black people in specifically have uh-huh. been attending theatrical events their entire lives absolutely whether they begin whether they begin absolutely. in the church with a church performance Or they go to their local community center or whatever local um community event might be it is a theatrical event if they go to a concert is a theatrical event they may not have come to broadway just yet but it's they are already in the theatrical setting which is a part of our audience and so i am um i'm going to come up with something that we include um people that look like us and people that have melanin in their skin um, in the conversation outside of the other box as we speak right. about our so theatergoers. true. And I
1: think non-traditional refers to the audience that we don't have captured yet. And that doesn't necessarily mean BIPOC. I mean, there are non-traditional white audiences as well, right? So just being able to capture who we know we're not reaching with mm-hmm. relatable content is going to be so important.
2: I 100% agree. And when you come up with that word, let me know so that we can put you <laughs> back on the podcast. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna work You're gonna on it. Have you know, to it. I'm gonna yeah. work on it. You know, uh, the thoughts of a colored man. We were very fortunate that we had 75 to 80 percent of our audiences every night were were people of color.
2: Wow, that's um, that's amazing. That's
3: right.
2: It is. It, it, it is really amazing. Looking back, you know, at those experiences that you all have had. How how did you you know how did you get here? What what inspired you? I mean, if it started at church, you know, with your with your Easter speech, or you know, or at the color purple, you know, when when did it when did when did you say okay, this is this is the career that I'm going to take, um, Brian? You know, when did you say this is the career that I'm going to take? I'm I'm going to be an actor, and I don't care if you support me or not. You know, this is what I'm going to do.
3: I will say that I it wasn't as I wasn't as cognizant as I uh, would like to paint in retrospect. You know, uh, if, if I'm if I'm re envisioning my past life, I would say that I I came to the realization at a young age that the theater was a place for me to be. Um, it wasn't that it was just this is what I loved to do, and I was very fortunate that my mother um, was the type of parent that leaned into what I was interested in, and then I was also very fortunate that I had teachers who were actual teachers, people who wanted to, to teach, um, and they taught me, and they ended up being um, my mentors and friends and artistic advisors and, and, and um, offering guidance throughout the, my artistic journey. So I just got very fortunate that um, my mother leaned in. That's, that's it for me that's it. And I knew, um, I did know by the time I reached high school that I, that I just wanted to be on the stage exclusively. And then that, that desire shifted, um, when I met Debbie Allen and Otis Salid, that, that shifted my perspective to, oh, you could actually originate material. You could put people together you could build something and um that's when i was introduced to producing and i just thought to myself um i really like connecting people i like putting things together and seeing how that works and going i think that person a would be good with person b let's do that
2: alita tell us about how how you got to to where you are right now tell us a little bit about um, your journey.
1: you know i always. Say that Broadway chose me. I didn't choose Broadway. I came from the computer networking arena and 9 11 happened and shut that whole industry down. Long story short, I was desperate to do something and I started working at Kinko's in sales and Spotco was my client. And lo and behold, about eight months after I got there, Spotco said, We need her over here. And I was like, All right, let's try it. And I had never left. So, you know, that happened 20 years ago. And, and again, you know, that took Jim Edwards, John Lanassar, taking a leap of faith because I was not from the world of theater. I didn't know anything about marketing. Again, I came from computer networking. That was the arena that I knew very well. Um, and so I just, I ended up at SpotCo and kind of created my own mold there and worked my way up, up and around, you know, until I felt that I had created enough roles that I could fit into because I never quite fit the mold. Um, and I think that that helped me in discovering who I was and my strengths and speaking to them and working to them. And then here I am today.
2: Right. The highest ranking person of color at the number one ad agency. Let's go. <laughs> okay, dope. Black Girl Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so both of you are are leaders in Broadway. What is what does that mean to you?
3: You know, I've never thought of myself as a quote unquote leader. I hear this word from other people. Mm-hmm. Um it's a it's a it's a label that has been given to me. And said, you know, this is this is who you are. You know, you are a leader. You have arrived, and I, I, I don't feel like that. I feel I'm the same person. It's still one foot in front of the other. It is still striving to connect with new people. Um, so if if building community and having allies and friends and relationships, and creating art using art as the backdrop of all of those things. If that is being a leader, then, then yes, that's, that's what I, that's what I am.
1: I'm a leader I'm, B. I don't know about you. I'm a whole entire leader. I have decided <laughs> that I'm a leader. Okay. They didn't have to tell me I knew. Okay. No, I, I'm, um, so I, I'm kidding. But I don't but, think
3: of it. I don't, But right. I don't think of it as, as, um, I am, I am Brian more than walking into the room and, <laughs> right. and I am here to lead all of you. I, I, I don't think of it that way. I, 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 think of it much, much, I loved hearing um, Aletha about your journey. Cause I didn't know that about you.
2: I didn't So either.
3: There's a lot um, y'all don't
1: know, honey. I know we're about to find out today.
3: But I think of my community work that way in the same attitude or the same perspective of, of, there is a space. I don't know if I can do that, but I'm going to try it or I can do that. Sure, I'll do it. It's the can do. Yes, right. I yes, I can. Or yes, I will try mentality mm-hmm. that I think builds community and um, is the number one thing I, I, I probably say is what makes you a good leader.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, being responsible and, 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 and accountable you know, for all that you do and want to do and the energies that you want to put out into the world. I mean, it means giving people opportunities to succeed. It means um, guiding your team, uh, nurturing their talents. It means that you have to make tough decisions sometimes. You have to stand in your truth. Um, You you have to be fair. You have to be impartial. Like so much comes with having to be a leader. There's a lot of, of things that you learn along the way. And it's okay not to know, but like being a leader is a really important piece. And again, I didn't know until someone had said it, right? That, okay, yeah, right. I'm a leader, duh, right? And, and, and I own that. I own it and I appreciate it. And I take it seriously because I think we have people that look up to us, you know, and want to be where we are or want to be a part of what we're doing. And so we have to make sure that we operate with grace and style. And I think it's very important.
3: Grace and style. Mm-hmm.
1: I love You know, it. I'm graceful. Right, Brian? Right. <laughs> right, I
2: wish you guys could see their faces.
3: <laughs> she, you know jokes aside, since I can't see our faces, I will say jokes aside. She is very graceful, and and it's it's a it's a it's a wonder to see her lead. Thank you, Bing.
1: I appreciate you. I knew you loved me. Look at this. Would you see this Look here? A this. match made in heaven. That's right. <laughs> And you know, Brian, Built the upon director. our differences. That's right. Built, <laughs> Built upon our because differences. We are very though. different. We are very different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's okay. So,
2: so Aletha, you said that you created your own mold at Spotco. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you do that? You know, what did that look like?
1: I think it started with, you know, the first position I was in there, I was an account executive, of course. That's how most people started agencies. And I learned the business first. It took me about a year or two. Um, and then decided, okay, this is cool and everything, but it's not really what I'm driving for. I picked out the areas that were important to me. I realized that I had a, a, a really good, good, good gift of managing people and understanding people and navigating my way through that company like it was nobody's business. And I rode that wave. I created uh, different departments, there, operations, human resources, um, direct mail and print services and just really like made sure that whatever others couldn't or wouldn't do I did and that was my thing I'm a problem solver like it, it totally made sense and it jived with what I wanted for myself and it gave me these little lanes that I could create for myself and continue to grow on and you know teach others at, at the same time so my path was very interesting it was you know in front of the scenes behind the scenes on the side of the scenes and now here I am
2: Right, right. Well, and there are probably a lot of, there are a lot of folks out there that are probably in advertising that will see your path and say, okay, you know what? This is, this is, this is what she did. This is how she created, how she made her way. And, and I can do the same thing, you know, as well. Right. So Brian, you talked about being able to, you know, put people together and, yeah. So can you talk to me about how Broadway producers um, are putting people together and what that looks like?
3: I think it's different for everyone. Um, uh, piggybacking off of what Alitha just said, I think it's what's clear to me out of her journey is that there isn't one way to get there. And, and if people are looking to be in that field, there are, there's a multitude of ways to get there. And producing on Broadway specifically, there's a multitude of ways to get here, Um, whether that is a school program, whether that is a career transition, whether that is um, um, a hyphenated role in your life. Um, Many producers on Broadway, this is their second, third and fourth career. And I don't think that people wake up one day and say, hey, I wanna be a producer. I certainly didn't. And I certainly couldn't tell you um, when I began my journey, I couldn't tell you all the things that a producer does. And, I, and now I would simply define producing as everything that happens in the, in the building, except the onstage part is, is the producer.
2: Okay. it's probably okay. the
3: most succinct way to, to describe it. And, and I think that producers do put people together. They find work. They find the money. They find um, the way in to make the work happen. Because mm. some works take years. Some works go to a regional and try out and then come into Broadway. Some, some works go out to a regional and don't come into Broadway at all. Some works originate on Broadway. Some works... Um, uh, are, are, are built for Broadway and then never materialize. So there's, there's it, it happens in, in all ways, which is why I think it's so great. What Letha said is that, is that it's, it's there are, there's a multitude of ways to get to where it is you want to be, especially producing on Broadway. There's a multitude of ways, there is not one way. There is one thing I can tell you that will, will only benefit the person and that is to be kind and to build your community. Because if you are not doing that, if you are not building, and if you are not opening the door, and if you are not being kind, that is one surefire outcome. I can say it will not work out well.
2: Mm. You know, and I think you hit on something in talking about the works in different locations. Because I think the misconception is that I have to go to New York in order to in order to to be in this business. And you don't. There, there are works going on at tons of regional theaters, just like you said. And so, how? So you, 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 you got thoughts of a colored man, Brian? How do? How does one become the lead producer and 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 get it from a regional theater to the Broadway main stage?
3: I got very lucky with Thoughts of a Colored Man. I was in a transitional, fa- I was in my transition phase when thoughts came into my life um, from performing to producing. I started off with thoughts um, living in London, and this script was sent to me by a friend, and she asked me just to read it and wanted an opinion. And I said, I said, I think it's great. You should do it. I asked her if I could be in it. She said, No. If I do it, the playwright already has has um a group of people that he would like to do the show with and i thought okay things shifted as they do in theater and and a role became available i said yeah somebody dropped out i dropped in and we did this this reading of thoughts of a colored man in in the upstairs um attic a converted attic that had become a theater of a church Mm. is where we were five years ago and we all felt something really unique in the room, and then I asked Keenan Scott if I could option his work, and he said yes, and And we began a journey of knocking on doors throughout New York City. Um, I literally knocked on every single person's door, every single person said no. We spent time sneaking into parties, sneaking into openings to say hello to someone, truly to say hello to someone just so we could be there and be around it and try to move forward, um, I had an excellent general manager at Foresight Theatrical that I absolutely adore, uh, and was able. Foresight really paved a path for us to navigate the business of Broadway, mm.
2: mm-hmm. and
3: so it's it's not it's not. Didn't come all out of my head. I, I I can assume zero credit except for except for meeting foresight and foresight agreeing to take the project, because they opened the doors that allowed the project to exist and live and believed in it uh, when there was no money coming in for them for five years to work on wow. that piece, and then Syracuse Stage came on board and Baltimore Center Stage came aboard and then we came to Broadway.
2: That's a great story. Um. <laughs> It is. It is because because people think you know, it's like oh, I have this amazing play. Oh, it's going to be on Broadway next year. And it's like no, 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 no. I mean, it ha it, it, it in some rare occasions it it happens, but for the most part, it it starts regionally and it works its way and it works its way up. So for those people who are in Idaho or Montana or. Nevada, you know, it starts where you're at and you can surely grow into being here on Broadway.
3: I would 100% agree with you because just like advertising, there are multiple, there's a multitude of avenues for advertising and types of advertising a person might, might be interested in. It's the same thing. Broadway is not for all people. And your art doesn't, your art still exists. Your creation still happens, even if it's not on Broadway. I remember I remember having a professor who once asked this question, and the question was, if if your art is not viewed on a stage, have you still created art? Yes. And the answer is yes. hmm.
0: Absolutely. Because you can
3: create art in the four walls of your home.
0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: So Alita, that leads me, you know, we talked Brian mentions advertising and a lot like advertising. And I think about I think of thoughts of a color man and then your upcoming play, American Buffalo. Uh, and I think about the the biases that come at play in marketing and advertising a lot of these a lot of these plays. Um, and sometimes the trends, you know, they rely on kind of the same old business practices. How do you speak to your clients about changing how their shows engage with audiences? Um, in general and specifically, you know, with the black audience.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's it. Every client is different. You know, we have a host of different clients. I think the general consensus is that we try to educate our clients. We try to um, inform them on the practices of black audiences, how they perform, their buying power, um, their buying trends, any type of se- certain uh, behavioral trends that we can pull out from just historic research data and analytics, right? Um, and we also try to educate them on our communities and um, the need to be, to make their investment in these audiences a long-term investment, right? So some of them think they can buy an ad in a black publication and where's the black audience? And it's like, yeah, it doesn't quite happen like that. You know, and just really being real about this being a long-term investment. Um, the way the the black community Um, decides on how to spend their dollars, and they have trillions of dollars in in spending power. Uh, They decide based off of their feelings, their emotions, and how we've engaged with them over time. Um, and so it needs to be a long-term investment, and not just in trying to turn them into a ticket buyer, but also their communities. Where what brands are they seeing every day? Who do they know has invested in their communities and the well-being of their communities, and so on and so forth? So, um, I think the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, educational factor is that this is a long-term investment. Um, we try to manage expectations on what type of returns they will see and when, um, and you know. I think the other piece of the puzzle that's really hard to deliver on is that Black audiences like more than just Black shows. All shows should be reaching out to all audiences, not just Black audiences. There's other audiences out there. You know, we're talking about different communities that have not been targeted by theater as a whole. Um, And just because we're Black doesn't mean we only want to see Black shows. So that's an important piece of the puzzle.
2: Exactly. And I think another misconception that is made is that that we don't have money to spend on tickets. We have everybody's walking around with thousand dollar computers in their back pocket. We have money. We have money. We spend it on. I'm so
3: happy. I'm so happy you said that, because oftentimes when I hear this word accessibility for theater, um, we're talking about a ticket price usually is the first is the first the top line um, topic of conversation and that accessibility is always has a face to it and it's always a black person Mm -hmm. and and for thoughts of a color man i can tell you that our regular and premium price tickets were the number one purchased thing for us not our discounts and so people the big that is a huge misconception that black people don't spend money they spend a lot of money on a lot of things, but you have to invite and you have to, and you have, you have to invite and you have to open the door. And by opening the door, it's not about, it's not about the, the price. It's about, it's about how you have invited someone in the experience. to experience the welcoming, to expi- the welcoming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, for Thoughts of a Colored Man, we had a, we did we had a very long runway, and we did this mobile barbershop where we took this unit into the Bronx and into Brooklyn, and the cast came down and and talked to the community. You know, so there was a community conversation about the show, and then just having a good time. But it was all centered around. Thoughts of a colored man, so I it, that's it's just one activation that we had, and there's numerous ones. But there's you have to invite, you have to invite,
1: right? And, and invest. The investment is not just money. There's an emotional investment. There's an investment of time. You know, there's investment in the community, in the youth. Accessibility, like he said, means a lot of things. It doesn't just mean a discounted ticket. Sometimes it's about just creating an experience for a specific group.
3: I like that you're speaking about it in a long-term investment Absolutely, because it's, it's definitely not short term whatsoever, you know, but it's, it's no different if people are thinking about this in a, in a, a a larger way, it's no different from a new artist. You might like the song, but do you buy the album? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you want me to buy the album, I have to really get used to you and really like you and really learn about you. And then I'll, then I'll buy the album or, or download the whole album, however you're... I need to see you around. I
1: need to see you around. I
3: need to see you. I need to, I need I need to, to know you. your
1: brand. I need to understand it. I need to know what you're about. Like, that all matters. Mm-hmm. That all matters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: 100%. So when looking at your upcoming uh, your upcoming play brand, uh, American Buffalo, uh, starring Lawrence Fishburne, and Sam Rockwell and Darren Chris, Chris. yay! Ooh, Look at me, you are famous. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. I I just pulled the email up not that long ago, but <laughs> I did. I did know the first two. I couldn't remember the the third individual. Can you Can you talk to me a little bit about what kind of community outreach or what kind of community work you're gonna you're gonna be doing and promoting? this new play
3: um absolutely there's there's a lot so so american buffalo is being led by a wonderful man named jeffrey richards and uh, i was fortunate enough that jeffrey invited me onto the producing team as a co-producer and the show has already prior to the pandemic was already building community was already reaching out um there's a couple of of um Organizations that we've already begun to partner with um, that are Black-focused to actually bring profits from the show back into that community. We're also already working with um, some a wonderful, wonderful woman who is a legend in our community of Broadway, and her name's Irene Gandy. Lady and Irene, she is, baby. <laughs> she is, Irene Gandy is a Tony Award-winning producer on her own. She is also a PR maven on her own, um, a diva of the day. I right? icon. And she starts with the community.
2: Mm-hmm. Talk the about community.
3: it. And um, so American Buffalo is focusing on that. It's focusing on the community and, and all of those particular outlets. It's it's really wonderful.
1: Awesome. Shout out to Irene Gandy. I mean, I think she's a mentor to both of us, Bea, and and has been so true to the cause over the years. So I just want to give her a quick shout out.
2: Yes. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Speaking of mentors, now you all are, you know, considered leaders. Mm-hmm. Titles you want or don't want. You are considered leaders. That's right. Um, what are your What are your hopes when looking when looking forward? What are your hopes for Broadway? Where do you see Broadway in five years? I mean, five, ten years.
1: I'll start by saying, you know, in five years, I hope to see the benefits of all of the hard work we've been doing. Um, that's the fellowships, you know, like Black Theater Coalition, that's the, the education programs like um, the League's Broadway Bridges, like just really seeing the results of the hard work that we've been putting in um, start to pay off. Um, I think that, that our, our, our countless marketing efforts hopefully will turn into results by then. Um, our, our blends of, of culture and elegance on stage will turn into more of a benefit then. And just really like knowing that it's still just the beginning. You know, like mm-hmm. I always say, we didn't get here overnight. And so, you know, we have to know that this is a long-term investment and we've got to dig our heels in and continue to do the work. We have to be consistent. We can't get comfortable. Um We can't just take the scraps. And I think if we continue to plow ahead together, right, together, unity, very important. I think we will see benefits for years and years to come, the next five years, I think we hope to start to see the benefits of all the work that's going into those fellowships and educational programs right now.
3: Awesome. Um, I, I'm, I am going to echo everything she just said <laughs> and and say that I I mean I'm fortunate enough that I've come through a lot of different facets of theater. Um, I am I'm a member of local seven six four. I'm a wardrobe professional. I I sew. I I. I do quick change. I do day minute. work. Hold on, wait. Let's I, talk.
1: Let's stop at you. Stop. So, I have long legs. Do You think you can get me a nice dress that accentuates my waist? And okay, later. Okay,
3: later, Janine. We'll talk
1: about it later.
2: Okay, later. All right, later. go ahead,
1: Brian. All right, go ahead, Brian. I, I,
3: I'm I'm a local 764 member. You know of the Wardrobe Union, and so I've I have stood there. Backstage, sewing on buttons, loading in a show, loading out a show, polishing the shoes. I have um, been an usher at um, the New Amsterdam when when Mary Poppins was, was there. Um, I have worked in a box office um, and then also been on stage. So I, I look at what we do in a 360 way. Mm-hmm. And in addition to everything, that, I say this because in addition to everything that Aletha said, yes, I wanna be able to see the fruits of our labor in five years, but I also want all of the other union members and members of our community who may not be members of unions yet Mm
1: -hmm.
2: to give
3: space and grace to understand that we are striving in the same direction. And just because you might not see it just yet, ask someone to your left, or to your right, because they might be able to point you in the right direction. And I think that that education and understanding and space and grace will help us experience fully the fruits of our labors that we're planting now.
2: Well stated, well stated. Well, at the end of, of our podcast, and first let me back up and thank you both. Thank you. For for this robust conversation and for your just being genuine. I mean, that, that, that's what we want, you know, just, just being genuine and being who you are. I am so grateful to have the opportunity to work alongside of you to create this change in Broadway. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come alongside of each of you. So as we wrap our Oh, are right. you I was
1: just like, "Oh my God!" Did she get all
2: sentimental on us? Oh, Janine! I oh. I
3: was so we are so happy to have we are so happy to have you, Janine. That's right. We are oh. very happy to have you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And we got some plans for you, sis. We're not done. We got some plans for you. you I'm know, ready. We are happy to have you. We really are. And, we, you know, I think that you being here speaks to a level of growth that we hadn't had before. And so it means that we are moving in the right direction and we, are, we want to continue to engage with you and work with you and make sure that we're doing all the right things together as a unit, you know, to make sure that we stand stronger at the end
2: thank you see we're having a moment here i know i know (laughs) but but seriously thank you i heard uh debbie i was watching or listening to a a webinar or podcast and debbie allen said that one of her mentors told her to never take her hand off the plow so to keep working you got to keep doing the work and i i plan to never take my hand off the plow so um, and with you all alongside, I know that I know that we're we're gonna make the change um that and I, I know in five years we're gonna see it.
3: That's right. I agree with you and 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 what I would offer anyone listening to this podcast is a piece of advice that Felicia Rashad gave to me, mm-hmm. and that is when it when the time is hard, you should practice how it feels to have what you want.
1: Mm. so good, so good. So, so Brian, you
2: stole all the thunder because mm. the final question. Mm. Mm. See? You see what he does? <laughs> For each this is podcast. It. Is uh-huh. this what he does? Is this what he does uh-huh. all the time? Is, is what piece, what one piece of advice you'd like to share with the Black future leaders of Broadway?
3: I would like our our Black future leaders of Broadway to not think of their skin or the vessels of which they walk through the world as a barrier but an enhancement to who they are. Yes. Know that the doors are open. They might be suspect and but they're open. And people on the other side of them in those rooms are willing to help and support if given the chance.
0: Mm-hmm. So I would
3: say keep moving keep striving, keep going because a no today is a maybe tomorrow. And that maybe tomorrow is a, is a yes on the third day.
1: And we don't take no's anyway. So that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, I think part of, of, of my lesson learning growing up is, is that no is never okay. And so at the end, if, if I, if I stopped every time I heard no, I wouldn't be anywhere right now. That plus, you know, to the other leaders or future leaders out there, you are a mentor, a leader to everyone, whether you know it or like it. You know, I remember the people that I considered mentors that know they're my mentors now, didn't know they were my mentors 20 years ago. Irene Gandhi, Marcia Pendleton, Donna walker Coon, when they came into the room, my soul lit up. They didn't know. They didn't know me. You know, I, I was a young little accounting executive that didn't say much in the room. Now they know that they're mentors to me and that they feed me so much good food for the soul. But back then, I was triggered by the fact that, wow, this is possible. So you're always a mentor. You always have to move like a mentor. Even if you're not a leader right now, you'll be a leader in the future. You always have to move like a mentor. People are watching. People will follow you. People will respect you. Trust me.
2: Thank you both again for giving of your time and your your knowledge we do not take it for granted thank you for having us
3: thank you for having us and thank you for doing this
2: again i want to thank our guests for being with us today and i want to thank you our listeners you could have been doing anything else but you chose to spend your time with us be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, tell a friend about this podcast. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway.